0: You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com.
1: Extra dimensions seem the stuff of science fiction. We know 3 dimensions: length, width, height. But what about other dimensions beyond length, width, height? What could that mean? What would extra dimensions be like? And anyway, why would we care? What about the fourth dimension, time, not as metaphor, but as fact. Now, some speak of 10 or 11 dimensions as the foundation of the cosmos. Is deep reality so strange? I'd be astounded. Are there extra dimensions? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. To understand extra dimensions, I should know how this unexpected idea developed. That's why I begin with physicist Lawrence Krauss, a science writer who is a real scientist. Lawrence is passionate about origins.
2: The idea of extra dimensions has been around for a long time in different contexts, partly because I think people crave this unknown universe in one form or another. I think we're hardwired to to really want there to be more out there than we can see. I would say that the modern precursor, the thing that really started driving us in that direction, were the experiments of Michael Faraday back in the 1860s and 70s in in England, where we began to learn about electricity and magnetism. And that was a beautiful episode in the history of science where what was discovered was that these two very different ideas, electricity and magnetism, these apparent very different forces, were really different man- manifestations of the same thing. What came out of that was one of my favorite calculations, is this remarkable fact that when you shake an electric charge, you, au- you predict that an electromagnetic wave will go out, and you can calculate from first principles the speed of that wave. That was what Maxwell did. And it was a beautiful calculations, and what did he find? It was the same speed that light had been measured to have, therefore suggesting light was an electromagnetic wave. Great, but that causes a problem. And it was Einstein who, who really began to recognize that problem. And, and people often don't understand the genius of the revolution that Einstein created. We've been told since Galileo that if you're on a plane that's moving at a constant velocity and the windows are closed and, and there aren't any bumps or a train, you, you don't know you're moving. The laws of physics are the same as long as you're moving at a constant speed. What's the problem? Well, I shake a charge on my plane an electromagnetic wave goes away from me and I can calculate the speed because I'm a, com- a physicist and I can calculate it and I can measure it and lo and behold they agree. But what if you're on the ground watching that whole thing happen? Well, since the plane is moving with respect to you, then the light ray must be moving with respect to you, not, not only to the person on the plane, but with respect to you and its speed must be greater. It's the speed of light plus the speed of the plane. But that's a problem because On the ground, I can calculate the speed of light from first principles, given the strength of electricity and the strength of magnetism. And if it's different, then that means the strength of electricity and the strength of magnetism are different for me on the ground than in the airplane. But Galileo tells us that can't be the case. That's a huge paradox. And it was Einstein's genius to realize, well, they're both right. Maybe it's the way we measure space and time. Maybe space and time are personal things. And they depend upon your motion and in order to get a measurement. So each person's space is in some sense, and time is in some sense unique to them. And that was the, the genesis of special relativity. It was actually Einstein's teacher, the only one, by the way, he said that he actually had any respect for, as a mathematician, a guy named Mikkowski, who really, however, pointed out that this weird thing that if I'm moving with respect to you, lengths will change, they'll get smaller. And if I'm moving with respect to you, my clock will go slower. It all seems crazy. It seems like it's completely relative. But in fact, there's an absolute there. There's an absolute in the sense that if you think of the world as four-dimensional, time being an extra dimension, then when I'm moving with respect to you, what I'm really kind of doing is rotating in this four-dimensional space. So my space is your time, and your time is my space a little bit. And when those get mixed up, you explain the wonderful results of Einstein. And so, we now say that we live in a four-dimensional Minkowski space. So suddenly, time is like an extra dimension, not exactly like space, but suddenly, we see we live in this four-dimensional universe. And by the way, that that idea...
1: Einstein shook up our static three-dimensional world by boldly adding time as a fourth dimension. His radical insight enabled other scientists to ask, what else might be lurking deep within the foundations of the forces of reality? Extra dimensions seem so bizarre. I need help. So I go to New York to meet Michio Kaku, a physicist known for explaining far-out science. Michio, extra dimensions is front and center in the scientific world, no longer just science fiction. How significant is this in our understanding? Let me tell you a story. When I was a child growing
0: up in San Francisco, I used to visit the Japanese tea garden and visit the carp swimming just beneath the lily pads in a two-dimensional pond. I used to spend hours looking at them. They would swim forward, backward, left and right. Their eyes were to the side and they couldn't see me. I was in the third dimension. I was in hyperspace. They were totally unaware that there was a universe beyond their pond. And then I thought, well, what happens if I reach down and grab one of the fish, lift the fish up? Maybe that fish was a scientist and the scientist would say, bah, humbug, science fiction. There's no world of up. Up does not exist. Well, I would grab this scientist, lift them up in the world of up, hyperspace, the third dimension, what would he see? He would see beings breathing without water, a new law of biology. Beings moving without fins, a new law of physics. And then I would put the fish back into the pond. What kind of stories would he tell? Well, today, we physicists believe we cannot prove it yet, but we are the fish. Thinking that anything beyond our pond, anything beyond our little puny universe, is science fiction. We say bah, humbug. You see, in three dimensions, there's not enough room to put all the laws of physics. But when you go to this larger pond, this pond of hyperspace, then all the laws of physics just fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. We live in a three-dimensional world. We see pieces. We see the electromagnetic force, we see gravity, we see nuclear force, little pieces of this unified field theory. We bring them together. Now we have the theory of the quantum theory, the theory of the small, the theory of atoms. We have the theory of Einstein, the theory of space, time, relativity. But they don't fit together until you go into hyperspace. And then they fit together beautifully. Look at smoke. Smoke permeates throughout a room. Smoke permeates in all three dimensions. But smoke never disappears. Smoke never floats into the fourth dimension. Therefore, a fourth, fifth, sixth dimension has to be smaller than smoke. But atoms also don't suddenly drift away into hyperspace. Therefore, these higher dimensions have to be smaller than an atom or else our universe would float away, <laughs> okay? All right,
1: now we have that's on the, the microscopic scale. What, what about large extra dimensions that, that seem to be talked about now in some theories of cosmology?
0: Well, strings can only vibrate in 10 dimensions, but uh, in the 90s, there was a revolution that that it turns out that if you add an 11th dimension, one more dimension, then membranes can exist, not just little strings, but beach balls and golf balls Mm, can vibrate. mm, mm. And perhaps our universe is a membrane, in which case perhaps some of these dimensions could be large, perhaps even infinite. So once you go from the 10 dimensional world of strings, where these dimensions are very tiny, and go to an 11 dimensions, then you're talking about a whole new picture, a picture whereby some of these dimensions could be huge, and that may even explain why gravity is so weak. Gravity is a very weak force. Perhaps gravity oozes, oozes, escapes, into these
1: higher dimensions, and that's why gravity is so weak. This so-called hierarchy problem, which gravity may be 10 to the 39th or 10 to the 40th times smaller than the electromagnetic, gravi- uh, the electromagnetic force. It seems, uh, it seems that these two are fundamental forces. To have such a vast difference in scale doesn't seem to make sense. That's right.
0: I could put sheets of paper on the table, comb my hair, and you do this in elementary school, pick up the sheets of paper. Well, I just defied gravity. The Earth weighs 6 trillion trillion kilograms. (laughs) I defied 6 trillion trillion kilograms with a comb (laughs) by picking up... Pieces of paper oh, yeah. with the electric force. Oh, yeah. That's how weak gravity is. We are like flies on flypaper. The flypaper represents our universe. We're stuck. We can't get off. But gravity oozes between flypapers. And therefore, we can actually perhaps detect experimentally the presence of alternate universes. This is not just science fiction.
1: Am I as if a fish in a pond? Extra dimensions, small and large, weaving the new fabric of reality. But is reality so fantastic? The key, Michio says, is string theory, which requires 10 or 11 dimensions to unify the laws of physics. I need more on these compact extra dimensions. I'll ask David Gross, one of the founders of string theory and a Nobel laureate in physics. We meet at Caltech.
3: This is one of the surprising things that came out of string theory, even though the idea of extra dimensions has been contemplated before. And string theory was discovered that we had to have more than the three uh, spatial dimensions that we see around us. And of course, Since we don't see them, they have to either be very small or, as was discovered more recently in the last decade, uh, there could be large extra dimensions in in what are called warped geometry, so that, again, the stuff we're made out of could be stuck in the three that are visible. So these are all possibilities within string theory and in which there are a myriad of many-too-many possibilities many too many for us to be very predictive about the consequences of the theory, and therefore they should all be explored. Some of them give rise to very interesting scenarios, um, predictions, or if those scenarios were correct, things that uh, observers should look for. They give rise to different cosmological scenarios that could be tested. They give rise to objects such as cosmic strings, sometimes that could be detected uh, and observed. They, give rise to possible models where one might try to calculate phenomena in in our standard theory of particle physics. So they're all suggestive and fascinating scenarios, and uh, I certainly think it's great that people are looking into this or even trying to see the uh, observational consequences.
1: Okay, David, at least we agree we don't see extra dimensions. They are either too small or warped geometries. With all the myriad possibilities of string theory, could there ever be real data? To find out, I go to Harvard to ask a physicist exploring how high-energy experiments might unify string theory and cosmology. Nima Arkani Hamid. Nima, how can there be extra dimensions beyond the three dimensions of space and the one of time?
4: Well, it's certainly theoretically possible for there to be extra dimensions. Uh, the, the usual analogy people use is uh, is to imagine that there are other dimensions there, but they're curled up to a very small size. So it's like looking at a garden hose from very, very far away. A garden hose from very far away looks like a line, but as you get closer to it, you see it has uh, it has a little bit of a thickness. There's a little circle there with with, uh, with a finite size. Compactified. So it would be compactified. So if you went around this other dimension, that you would very rapidly come back to same place. That's the idea. The idea had a big resurgence in the 70s and 80s with the realization that, that string theory with a very very rigid theoretical structure that you really couldn't monkey with too much predicted that there should be 10 dimensions, 10 dimensions of space and time. More <laughs> recent theoretical developments hoof that up to 11, but anyway, it's a number, a number that, that isn't <laughs> infinity. <laughs> yes. For example, uh, for the mystery of why gravity is so much weaker than right. uh, than all the other forces. By 10 to well,
1: the 39th or some well, by, compared to electromagnetism? Sure, right.
4: So one possibility is that, in fact, it isn't much stronger, uh, that at the length scale of around 10 to the minus 17 centimeters, where we first start encountering this problem of why gravity is so weak compared to everything else, well, maybe gravity really catches up with everything else at 10 to the minus 17 centimeters. But there are extra dimensions in which only gravity propagates, and the ordinary particles and forces don't propagate. Um, so that gravity only appears weak because it's diluting its strength in, in extra dimension. dimensions.
1: Ah. H- how does this uh, um, articulate with the so-called brains of uh, cosmology, where you have uh, our whole universe would be uh, uh, on a three-dimensional brain floating in, a, in some fourth or nth dimensional space. Right,
4: so, so brains are a crucial part of this picture. In fact, the, the existence of brains was what allowed us to do all these right. uh, novel things with uh, extra dimensions for, for the simple reason that when everything is spread out, then if you make the dimensions big or small, you make all the interactions weak or strong. Right. Okay? Whereas when some things are trapped to living on a lower dimensional surface, while gravity lives everywhere, yes. it's possible to adjust the relative strengths to make only gravity weaker while keeping everything else strong. So the brains are a crucial part of the whole story, and there's many, many different scenarios now that, that exploit brains uh, and extra dimensions to uh, do interesting things. And many of them have experimental consequences, so they will live or die on the uh, near-term time scale.
1: 10 or 11 dimensions of space and time, all but our common three dimensions astonishingly tiny. Speculative, surely, but they may explain the inexplicable. Like why gravity is so incredibly weak compared with other forces like electromagnetism. I'm almost getting this but then lose it. So how again could extra dimensions, fiendishly complicated, make the world simpler? The place to go is Princeton, the Institute for Advanced Study, where Albert Einstein walked and thought. I meet Juan Maldacena, whose startling discoveries have turned this unassuming Argentinian into a kind of string theory rock star. Suddenly I'm hearing all about extra dimensions. What is all this extra dimensions? It's hard to comprehend.
5: A dimension is uh, where a particle can move. So how many variables do you need to specify the position of, its par- of a particle? Okay. So if, you, if we want to meet, we have to arrange where we are meeting, right? right. We are meeting at a certain location between two street intersections and the first floor, the second floor, those are the three dimensions, three spatial dimensions. We also have to arrange a time to mean. But The question is, do we also need to specify other things when we talk about a more elementary particle? So could it be that elementary particles could really move in extra dimensions? Now, something we do know is that these extra dimensions are not infinitely big and equal to the other dimensions because we know that for many practical purposes we can deal with three dimensions, <laughs> right? So we are certainly not moving in the extra dimensions. But the question is whether elementary particles can in some sense move in the extra dimensions. Now, why would you do this? And the idea is that perhaps the laws of physics are simpler when we add this extra dimension and that some of the complications we see in the laws of physics are due to the fact that Well, we have the same particles in these extra dimensions, but they are doing different things. So a particle can be moving uh, faster or slower in the extra dimension, and then we will see them differently in our four dimensions.
1: So the idea of, of an extra dimension
5: is to make life simpler, not complicated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it sounds it like simpler. it's more complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks more complicated, <laughs> but in a way, it's simpler because okay. the idea is that you have simpler laws in extra dimensions that give rise to more complicated laws in uh, four oh, dimensions. Okay. So that's the beauty, if you wish, of extra dimensions. Let me give you an example. So the simplest uh, and oldest idea was to construct a theory that puts together gravity and electromagnetism. So. In a theory of gravity, we have gravity waves, and with electromagnetism magnetism, we have electromagnetic waves. So uh, Calusa and Klein realized uh, in the beginning of the 20th century that if you consider a theory of just purely gravity, but in five dimensions, you add an extra small circular dimension. Then the gravity would be a fluctuation or a wave of gravity in four dimensions, but when this wave is twisting this extra dimensional circle, it would look like an electromagnetic wave from the point of view of four dimensions. So in this way, two phenomena that are different, uh, gravity and electromagnetism, oh. are unified and put together in uh, this five dimensional picture. So, so that would actually make it simpler. Yeah, yeah, well, the theory in five dimensions is simpler. Now this simplest theory doesn't quite work, but, <laughs> so the modern incarnations are, well, it's similar in spirit, but uh, with a little few more dimensions and so on to make it uh, com- more consistent with what we see in four dimensions. The crucial thing is that we introduce extra dimensions to simplify the theory, not to make it more complicated.
1: So that is the point. Extra dimensions reduce the complexities of our three-dimensional world by unifying laws in those extra dimensions. Extra dimensions make the laws of physics simpler. What a realization. But there's sharp disagreement. Some scientists reject extra dimensions. I make a pilgrimage to Oxford to meet one of the world's premier mathematicians, Roger Penrose. Roger has elevated humanity's grand understanding of the cosmos. Roger what's what's your reaction to
6: these extra dimensions well I'm not an enthusiast I mean there's no evidence for them um, observationally I have two troubles primarily with these extra dimensions one of them is a more personal reason which has to do with twister theory which is something I uh, worked on and developed over 40 years ago now it was specifically based on the fact that we have three space and one time dimension. And it's a scheme which gets its power from that fact. And it particularly uh, works in that number of dimensions and doesn't really work in any other number of space time dimensions. Describe that's important, so describe that briefly. Basically the idea is that, is that space time points are secondary objects. And you can think of uh, the, if you like, you want to describe a space time point, you think of all the light rays through it. So it's like, uh, one moment you're looking out at the sky and you see stars all over the place, and each one of those stars ha- has a history of a light ray coming into your eyes. So it's in some sense relating the large s- mm. space of relativity, or that's, that's this complex celestial sphere, to the sphere of quantum mechanics. Oh. And it's making a link between the physics of the small, which is quantum mechanics, and the physics of the large, which is relativity.
1: Which is the great problem of the 20th century and continues to be the great problem. That's
6: right. Well, this is a particular angle on that. You see, it's quite different from what most people do, who do quantum gravity, which is trying to make this link. They say, all right, well, quantum mechanics has to be applied to space-time structure Okay, it's hard to do because it means space-time structure may be granular, all sorts of funny things, you see. But what they don't say is that quantum mechanics needs to be monkeyed with. They say, take quantum mechanics as it is, and it's got to be applied to our ideas of space-time. Now, my view is that that is not correct, that we want a much more even-handed marriage, where quantum mechanics has to give as much as space-time structure has to give. And this means that you don't use quantum mechanics as it exists at all levels. You have to think of the right theory, which is a molding of these two separate theories into one scheme.
1: You said there were two reasons why right. you are not a fan of extra dimensions. That's right.
6: I just don't think these extra dimensions are stable. When I say not stable, they will just collapse. and. It, What's interesting to me here is that maybe these string theory ideas can have a value in theories which don't require extra spatial dimensions. And this, this would give them, to me, a lot of extra plausibility.
1: Harvard, Oxford, Caltech, Princeton, New York. I've traveled thousands of miles in search of the smallest facets of our cosmos. It's the great human quest to dig up the foundations of mass and energy, space and time. The drive is for simplicity, to explain how the world works concisely and elegantly. When theories are complicated, then there's likely another theory, simpler and thus deeper. And simplicity, when found, is breathtaking. That's the addicting appeal of extra dimensions, to show how the atomic zoo of what seem to be very different particles are really different manifestations of the same singular atomic animal. Unity from diversity, the wonder of it all. How much more is there to discover? But do extra dimensions really exist? Either way, the exhilaration of exploration brings us